two or three uh, circles around the sun that we've made. We've uh, dedicated times on Sunday morning uh, just for prayer, where I shut up and you all speak up and we talk to the Lord and expect to hear from Him. Prayer, this uh, communication, this fellowship between God and His people has been a distinctive mark of God's people throughout all generations for all their existence. For the church of Jesus Christ, those who have been rescued from sin by their faith in Jesus, prayer has been central to our life and to our worship. In fact, Jesus' death for sins, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father is precisely what enables us as believers, as followers of Jesus, those united to him. It's what enables us to pray boldly, to speak to God intimately, and to take our requests to him full of faith, knowing that he hears us and that he desires to answer our prayer according to his will and to his glory. We read in Acts chapter 1 verse 14 that after Jesus had ascended to heaven after his crucifixion and resurrection, the remaining disciples gathered together in Jerusalem for a time of intense prayer. Luke, the gospel writer and historian of Acts, writes in Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Not only because the disciples did it, but because so many other places of Scripture command it, we want to make prayer a priority for us as a church together. Though sometimes it is helpful for us to admit, I think, our, our prayers can grow stale and formulaic. You ever been there? We worship, the God, we worship God with the same words. We confess the same sins. We express gratitude for the same blessings. We seek the same needs over and over and over again. And this does not mean, friends, that our prayers are somehow invalid or insincere, but we do need regularly to enliven and deepen our prayer and our prayer life. I know I certainly do. What better way, then, to improve our praying than to pray words that God has given to us to pray? What better way to deepen our prayer life than to pray the words that God has said you should pray? The Psalms, the sort of songbook of God's Word, the Bible, in which we've spent the last several Sunday mornings, the Psalms are more than just songs to be sung in praise to God or out of desperation to Him. The Psalms are words that God has given to His people to use in praying to Him. So this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles and to keep them open in the book of the Psalms as we remind ourselves and practice praying with the Psalms. I would invite you to open first to Psalm 96. We begin our time of prayer together as a church this morning in worship and adoration of God and who He is. The psalmist says in Psalm 96, 4, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It is always right and never wrong to begin our approach to God by recognizing His greatness and worshiping Him in truth. Now, there are countless aspects of God that we can worship Him for, certainly. But Psalm 96 taught us, as we looked at it several weeks ago, taught us to praise God by telling of His salvation. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 2 say, and you can read along in your copy of God's Word, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. There is truly no greater work of God toward us, for us, than the salvation that He gives as a gift of His grace through Jesus. I invite you this morning, friends, with your Bibles open to pray Psalm 96, to with your family, with those that are sitting near you, to read Psalm 96 aloud in small groups as a prayer of worship and exaltation of God. You may want to add to your praying this morning praises from Psalm 148 or Psalm 150, other excellent psalms of, uh, of praise. You may want to add those to your prayer. In either case, for the next few moments, let God's word be your words of worship just now. In small groups where you are, with your families, read Psalm 96 as a prayer to the Lord, asking God to hear your worship. Let's pray together.
Almighty God, we praise You. We praise You in Your sanctuary. We praise You in Your mighty heavens. We praise You for Your mighty deeds. We praise You according to Your excellent greatness. We praise You, God, with trumpet sound and lute and harp and with tambourine and dance. We praise You with strings and pipe and guitar and keyboards and drums and bass guitars and our voices with sounding cymbals. We praise You with loud clashing cymbals. God, cause everything, we pray, that has breath to praise You. With every breath we have, God, let us praise Your name. It is right that our prayer always begins with worship and adoration of God, and most especially for the salvation that He has wrought in Jesus. But prayer also continues with confession of sin. Just as surely as we adore God for His holiness and His handiwork, we become acutely aware of the fact that we are not like Him. Did you read in Psalm 96, the psalmist saying that there is no other God like Him, there's no one in all the heavens like Him? Were you reminded that you are not like God today? If so, that's good. We are not like the Lord. His salvation is necessary. The salvation that we've praised Him for is necessary precisely because of our sin, of our rebellion against Him, of our desire to live life on our own terms, our own way, however we want, wherever we want. And because of that, God has put into our hearts a longing for His grace to redeem us from the effects of our sin, the brokenness of the world, death and eternal separation from Him. A few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 32 to teach us to acknowledge our sin, to uncover it before the Lord. Not to hide it from Him, but to confess it to Him and to rest in His grace and forgiveness. Open your Bibles to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, this may be familiar to you from a couple of weeks ago, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity, my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity, you forgave the guilt of my sin. When we praise God for who He is, we become acutely aware, aware that we are not like Him, and that we, we are separated from Him because of our sin and that our disobedience to God needs to be confessed to him because he's the only one who can forgive it in the same groups where you were before with your families I encourage you read Psalm 32 Psalm 32 verse 5 as a prayer of preparation for confession this morning and then maybe as you continue in prayer you would want to use Psalm 51 David's prayer of confession to God and seeking of forgiveness after his sin of adultery you might want to use words from Psalm 51 as part of your specific confession of sin to God. But begin in Psalm 32 and confess your sin to the Lord. Seek the grace that He promises to each one who comes to Him empty-handed for His mercy that comes freely to all who trust His Son, Jesus. Begin in Psalm 32 and then confess your sins to the Lord this morning.
O God, have mercy on us, your people. According to your steadfast love, your covenant love, according to your abundant mercy, we pray, wipe away our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from all of our guilt and cleanse us from our sin. God, we remind ourselves from your word that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we remind ourselves of the promise and we pray this as well to you, God, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This you have done through the blood of your Son shed for us at Calvary, through his victorious life raised from the grave. God, there's no other way for us to be forgiven of sin than to trust in Jesus. And as we bring our sins to you, as we confess them and with humble hearts desire and long to repent of them, to turn from them, so we ask that you would not only cleanse our conscience, but God also cleanse our hearts, cleanse the motives, of our minds, our desires, that would be pleasing to you, that they would be according to your will and according to your holiness. God, we don't come to you confessing our sins for a simple transaction, saying, here I am, God, I'm doing my part. Now you, you do what you want to do. But God, we're, we're coming to you empty-handed with nothing but all of our sin and saying, God, lift these from us and clothe us in the righteousness of your son, Jesus, in whom we trust. So help us this morning, God, to rest in your grace, to rest in the forgiveness that you give to each one who truly turns from sin and entrusts their life to Jesus. Confession of sin almost always leads to an an attitude of gratitude, of thanksgiving, being thankful, being grateful. So we recognize the grace that we have in God, but also just all the other things that he gives to us too. Thanksgiving, gratitude is the next movement, uh, ought to be the next movement of our prayer day by day. Often when we express gratitude to God, we do so for all the ways that he's provided for us. Homes, clothes, jobs, children, health, and all these are worthy of our thanks to God. We should be grateful to God for these things. But as Ken reminded us several weeks ago from Psalm 111, we are to offer thanksgiving to God with our whole heart. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 111. In Psalm 111, verse 1, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. When we find ourselves grateful for God's provision for the stuff that he has given us and grateful only for that, like only expressing gratitude to God for the stuff that he's provided for us, good as it is, then it's time for us to enlarge uh, our heart with his word. Psalm 111 is our brother Ken showed us, calls us to thank God for his creation, for the wonders of his hands, including the forgiveness that we have in Jesus, to thank God for his physical provision, of course, but also to thank him for his mighty works and for his word. Wherever you are just now, read Psalm 11, I encourage you, with your families, with those that are sitting near you. Read Psalm 111 as a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe stopping briefly along the way, in between verses, or just calling aloud as maybe your husband or wife or one of your children or friends is reading, just to say, speak aloud a word of thanks to God specifically for the things that Psalm 111 teaches us to be grateful for. Let's express our gratitude to Him.
We give thanks to you, God, for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you, the God of gods, because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you, the Lord of lords, because your steadfast love endures forever. To you alone who do great wonders because your steadfast love endures forever. To you who by understanding made the heavens because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you who spread out the earth above the waters because your steadfast love endures forever. And who made the great lights because your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you who gave the sun to rule over the day because your steadfast love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule over the night. Because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. Because your steadfast love endures forever. And who brought Israel out from among them. Because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you God. Who with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Because your steadfast love endures forever. To you who divided the Red Sea in two. Because your steadfast love endures forever. To you who made Israel pass through in the midst of it. Because your steadfast love endures forever. You overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you who led your people through the wilderness. Because your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to you who remembered us in our lowest state. Because your steadfast love endures forever. Who rescued us from our foes, from our sin, from death and eternal separation from you because your steadfast love endures forever. We praise you and thank you for giving food to all flesh because your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, we, your people, saved by your grace, brought together by your son. Stop this morning to give thanks to you, the God of heaven, because... Your steadfast love endures forever. Yes, God, hear the gratitude of your people. Hear our words of thanks and praise to you as you remind us from your word of all that there is to be grateful for. More than just the stuff you give, that's the, those are the little things. We are grateful for your common grace, God, of homes to live in, clothes to wear, loving families, jobs that provide livelihood for us. But as your word leads us, God, we are, we are grateful for you. Just for you, for your presence in our lives, that the all-powerful, transcendent creator of the universe would care to know us and to be known by us. God, for that, our, our hearts are lifted to planes of gratitude that nothing in creation or from the works of man can, can bring us to. We are grateful, God, because your steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever. It is good to thank the Lord for all of the things that he has given, for all of the things that he is to us. It is good to thank the Lord with our whole hearts and with the entire congregation. Isn't it good to hear voices of saints speaking words of gratitude to God, words from his word that lead us to be grateful? The last thing we ought to pray for in prayer should be the things that we need, the stuff that we're really concerned about. It's always good to start prayer, orienting ourselves to the praise of God, recognizing our need for Him, being grateful for all that He has given. Let's start there by recognizing all that God is and God has done before we bring our needs to Him. Sometimes we start backwards. We start with the stuff that we need. And often the stuff that we think we need is just stuff that we want, the thing that we need for the moment. And then our prayer gets upside down, and then we end up worshiping God because he gave us stuff. When we start to worship God because he is God, and then work our way down to what we need, well, that that worship of the Lord shapes how we see what we need. When we have needs, when we come to God for supplication, 
We go to Him because He's the only one that can provide them for us. Interestingly, as Scripture shows us over and again, the one thing that we need most from God is God Himself. He's the creator. Scripture says He's the sustainer. He's the caretaker. He's the savior of the whole world. Even in a time of deep distress and bitterness and envy, the psalmist prayed to God in Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. He said, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In the past weeks, we have looked at Psalm 121 to help us to pray in seasons of fear. We looked at Psalm 73 to teach us to pray in times of bitterness. Psalm 88 to pray in times of depression and desperation. Perhaps what you need from God in addition to himself is the comfort and the hope that only he can offer. If so, I invite you to make Psalm 23 your prayer today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do you need, friend, that only God can give? Is it salvation and forgiveness of sins? My dear friend, that is a need that only God can provide for you. As we pray this morning, if what you need is forgiveness of sin and a right relationship with God for the first time, if what you need from God is God himself and the person of his son as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you this morning, find a Christian near you to pray with. And to ask God, to pray to God the words of Psalm 118, 5 and 6. Out of my distress, the distress of my sin, I called to you, Lord, and you answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The scripture tells us in Romans 10, 9 through 11, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because it is with the heart that one believes and is justified, and it is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. What we need from the Lord is more of himself. So let us pray his words back to him, that he might answer us to the delight of our souls. Start in Psalm 73, 25 and 26. You'll see that on the screen. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Use the words from Psalm 88, Psalm 121, Psalm 23 to give voice, to give words to your prayer that God would give you today not just more stuff or the things you think you need or the things that you want, but that God would give you more of himself. Friend, if you need God in your life for the first time, to know Christ as Savior, as Lord, for the first time today, to trust him that way, uh, as the rest of the church is praying, I invite you, find a Christian who's near, near you, maybe somebody that invited you to, come with them to church this morning and say, I need to trust Jesus that way. And with their help, go to God in prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Save me from my sin. I believe that you are God's son, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave. Change me. Make me new. Give me new life. Rescue me. Be my Lord forever. If you need help praying that way or you need to share that with somebody else, I'll be here up at the front as well as we pray to God for more of himself. But however you, whatever you need from the Lord, whatever you need from his very nature, from his very character, pray with desperation and faithful expectation to God that he will answer in abundance this morning. Use God's word, use the Psalms to pray to him for what you need.
Lord of all lords, God of all gods, creator of the universe. There's no one else who can answer the deepest cries and the greatest needs of our hearts quite like you can or even close to it. And this morning we are aware and we do pray for your help and provision your supply to those who are in great need. Most immediately, we pray, God, for the men and women and children of Afghanistan. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church there in that nation, all of whom are, in many ways, uh, worried, concerned about their safety. Some have already lost their lives at the hands of the Taliban. There are American servicemen and women who have given their lives uh, in protection and service to the people of that nation. There are many hurting people and people in great need. God, we ask for your presence, for your help, for your provision for those. Prepare us as citizens of this nation to be ready to receive those refugees who may come from that country, to welcome them with open arms, to care for their needs, to point them to Jesus who not only saves them but loves them intimately and calls them to come to him, all who weary and are heavy laden. Prepare us, God, to minister in meaningful ways to the hurting people of the world. We're mindful this morning, God, of the hurricane that is about to make landfall near New Orleans this year or or today. Hurricane Ida uh, threatens to be as dangerous, if not more, than Katrina so many years ago. And we know the devastation that that wrought in that city. And Lord, we pray for your merciful hand to turn the storm, to lessen its intensity. If it's not in your will to do that, Lord, we pray that you would protect the people of New Orleans, Louisiana, and the other cities that will be affected. Make roads clear and capable of evacuating safely. For churches that are not meeting today in New Orleans because a hurricane is coming, we pray, God, that you would sustain those congregations, our brothers and sisters, by your grace, with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lead them to trust in you. I think of our city, Albuquerque over 90% of which would not say that they know Christ as Lord and Savior the way that we do, the way that the Bible describes. And God, that breaks our heart. As your church, we need you, God, and we also know that our neighbors need you. Children living in broken homes or foster homes, being raised by grandparents need you. Those grandparents who are raising their grandchildren need you. Parents who have been separated from their children who are maybe currently incarcerated and dealing with substance abuse issues or past criminal activity, God, they need you. And we recognize, God, that it as much as we pray for these people to know you, to have you, to be known by you, that you have made us, you have called us by your grace in Christ to be those who point them to you. So Lord, it's not enough that we merely pray that you reveal yourself to these people. We need more of you. We need more of your passion. We need more of your zeal for your name and for your glory. We need more of your compassion brought about in our hearts. We need more of your concern for our neighbors and our fellow citizens of this city. We need more of you and your character in us to cause us to go with the best news in all the world to those who need to know you most. And so, God, we pray that you would supply your presence in the lives of those people who need it most today. But we also, we pray, God, that you would use us as your means of supply, as your means of care, as your means of compassion to those who are broken and lost. 
God, we pray not, not just that you would meet the needs of the people around us, meet the needs of the people in the world, but that you would meet their needs through us. Jesus, we need you to be king of our church, ruler of our hearts, the one who commands our conscience. We need less personal influence from political talking heads and social media and more influence, more shaping, more discipling from your word and from you. We need the peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We need hearts that are conformed to Christ, ready to serve the needs and to give up our privileges for the sake of loving others. Jesus, our King and Savior, our great shepherd, you did not come to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Far be it from us to think that our life's calling could be any less. God, you are our shepherd. With you, there is nothing that we lack. You make us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You, and only you, restore our souls. You lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare table before us in the presence of our enemies, anointing our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Because we've come to know you, Jesus, the good shepherd, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, you have said that you are the good shepherd, that you come to give abundant life to everyone. That you lay down your life for the sheep. And because you have authority to lay it down, you also have authority to raise it up again. We know that your sheep hear your voice. And so, as your people, as your flock, we cry out to you, Jesus, speak loudly that we may hear and follow. Speak more clearly than the voices of this world. Call with greater compelling divine force than all the alluring things of this world. Send out a clarion call among your people, O great shepherd, that we would hear no other voice, that we would obey no other will, that we would seek pleasure in no other good shepherd but you. God, above all things, we need you. And as we find our all in all in you, so then we are made ready by you to meet the needs of others with grace and compassion and love and concern. Not seeking to fulfill our own preferences, our own will, our own desire. No, but only to bring honor and glory to you as we point others. Point others to you and the life that there is in your name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in our hearts, create in us a holy discontent when we seek to be filled to be driven, to be oriented, to respond in obedience to anything or anyone else but Jesus.
Do not let us rest until we find ourselves resting in Him. You are what we need most, Lord. Your Word teaches us that. Help our hearts to know it. Help my heart to know that and not to be satisfied with anything less than all of you. We pray, God, with boldness that you would answer that request today. Give us more of you. We ask it in the authoritative powerful, saving, mighty, only name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. As we move from prayer this morning, friends, we turn our attention to the Lord's table. The Lord's Supper, communion as it's called, in other places is a memorial meal that we take together that reminds us of how God has responded to every one of the prayers that we have prayed today. Taking the Lord's Supper is first an act of worship and praise. When we eat this bread and drink this cup together, we are remembering and preaching the good news of God's salvation to us in Jesus. This is a meal that draws our eyes and our hearts heavenward in Adoration of God's eternal plan to provide us forgiveness in Christ. This is an act of worship and a response of our worship. The second we come to this table as confessing and repenting sinners who have come to trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins. It was his body symbolized by the bread and his blood symbolized by the cup that we drink that were necessary as the sacrifice for the sins that we have committed, for the sins that we've even confessed this morning, and for the sins that we seek to walk in repentance of. In this way, this meal is a meal that's only for those who have publicly professed faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, who have been baptized by immersion in accordance with that faith and this is a meal for those who are only, only for those who are living daily in repentance from sin and trust in Jesus. And so this morning, you don't have to be a member of First Baptist West Albuquerque to take this meal together, but we do pray or do ask that, that you would be one who has publicly professed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that you've been baptized by immersion in accordance with your faith in Him, and that you're living daily in repentance from sin and faith in Christ. If you're not yet a Christian, we ask this morning that you would refrain from sharing in this meal with us, not because we're trying to be exclusionary, but because we're trying to protect your conscience. In taking this meal, you would be proclaiming a faith that you don't have yet. Instead, we invite you to use this time to seek God in prayer, continue in praying, asking God to speak to your heart with clarity about your need of Him, about His love for you in Christ. Parents, if you have children who have not yet trusted Jesus publicly, use this time to remind them of the gospel and of God's love to them in Christ as they watch you, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, taking this meal. Use it to remind them of the gospel. Third, we come to this table with wholehearted thanksgiving to God because of the gift of redemption that he's given to us in his grace. This is a time of joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. And finally, we take this bread that symbolizes the body of Christ and the the cup that symbolizes his blood shed for us. And we do it in remembrance of the fact that God has met our greatest need in Christ. That when what we needed most from God was God himself, he sent Jesus for us. In Jesus, we have God himself in human form, dwelling among men to serve us, to love us, to point us to the Father, and then to die in our place to pay for our sins. Who else do we have in heaven or on earth beside him? What more in all the universe do we need more than him? Certainly, no one and nothing. He is our all and all. And we worship him for that as we take this meal together. So I invite you to pray with me as we prepare our hearts to share in this meal. As I conclude in prayer, I invite you to come forward to receive one of the packets of elements. You just need one. There's bread and a cup all together. We'll walk through how to uh, take off the different seals that open up the different parts of it. 
But come and grab a set of elements for yourself. Um, brothers, especially if there is uh, someone in, in need among you who may be providentially hindered from walking forward, would you serve them by asking if you can bring them back a packet of elements so that they can share the Lord's Supper together? As a concluding prayer, I invite you to come and receive these elements and then return to your seats and wait. We'll take the Lord's Supper all together. Now I'll ask you when you do come forward, let's use this center aisle and the aisles against the wall to return to your seats. So use the, I don't know, secondary aisles here and here to come forward and then uh, we can maintain a little bit better traffic flow that way. But let's pray together and then let's come and with gratitude, worship in our hearts, lives committed to repentance from sin and faith in Christ, receive this meal together. Let's pray.